This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. This is Shamila Ganesan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, what are the ethics that need to be considered as more industries embrace AI? This comes as we see artificial intelligence making its way into all corners of modern life, from manufacturing to creative work. But what does this mean for people using it as a tool and the people it's going to replace? So we want to hear from you. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018789899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and today's conversation about um, AI and the ethics around its usage um, has its beginnings at least in a recent development involving the American Screen Actors Guild uh, because they've made a deal with an AI voice generation studio to produce copies of their voice actors' voices. Um, Now, this is the first of the kind in its industry. It comes after a 118-day strike held by voice actors uh, in protest of AI taking over their jobs. And so the deal that has now been made, which is with a self-described ethical AI voice generation company called Replica Studios, um, essentially the deal says that unionized voice actors can now choose to opt in to provide their voices to be used as training data for the company. Now, why this is such a big deal is that previously um, the, the, the ethics or the legalities around who gets to use something like your voice to use it to, to generate, um, in this case, new new script or new voices was quite murky. So this kind of an agreement now actually protects those voice actors and they have to opt in. And most importantly, the agreement also says they have to be paid for the use of their voice in training AI. Now, This, though, isn't the first time there has been points of contention around AI and its use um, and what is ethical and what's not. Because uh, last year, the Writers Guild of America held a strike. And in that as well, AI was a key point of contention between writers and uh, television studios, sorry, uh, television and movie studios, uh, because they essentially did not want the studios to use AI to write or edit scripts. Um, They didn't want studios to use AI generated material as source material and then get writers to adopt it. Uh, they were they can't force writers to use AI technology. So a whole bunch of things were worked out. We're not necessarily going to focus on these two industries, but I feel like they're an interesting starting point to talk about um, how more and more industries are talk uh, are essentially starting to look at the ethics behind AI use and how it impacts the people within the industry. Yeah, so I believe that McKinsey has a report out on generative AI and the industries uh, that are going to be impacted. I mean, everybody's going to be impacted, but the the industry that's going to be most impacted is, in fact, believe it or not, entertainment and media, mm-hmm. our industry. And so uh, it's very interesting because I don't think at the end of the day, this is a battle between us, as it were, people working people and AI. It's really, AI is just a tool being used by 
corporations to extend and to deepen their profit margins, right? So this is all it is. And so if we remember that it's not, the, the problem doesn't lie with AI. It lies with those uh, organizations that have now found that they can leverage this new technology against its own workers and leverage it in a way that in many ways, frees them from a huge number of people that they used to be dependent on, right? Who had some sort of negotiating power with the, those corporations. So it's it's very interesting because I th I sometimes I feel that we are, we're arguing around the periphery with this, you know, and yes, and you want to make sure that the people whose talents and voices and images are being used get paid for them. But uh, the the technology takes it so far. This is no longer about being talent for an advertising agency, right? You, 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 you're kind of like the source material uh, and the end product might look nothing like you. And so how do you even demand that you have, uh, that you should be compensated for the end product? No, you're absolutely right, Sharad. I think that because this is a very emotional issue um, that often for many people it boils down to my job is going to be taken away or it's now going to be easy for people to uh, just use a tool to do what I used to do. I think it becomes easy to overlook the point that you just made, which is that actually what we're talking about are companies or corporations finding a way to leave the people that they should be paying for their work out of the loop by now saying, well, you know what? I don't actually need you. Um, however, the tool that I'm now using actually relies on the work you've done in the past for me to get this thing for free. Um, and I think that it does go back to, that's why it goes back to this question of ethics, because what AI is going to be capable of doing in the future. Actually, I don't know. But the fact that it's managed to progress this quickly in this short amount of time does mean that um, I think we need to figure out the the guidelines or the ethics now or like yesterday uh, before more people sort of fall through the gaps. And, and I think especially in terms of um, corporations don't really have the best track record when it comes to compensating their employees well, unless they're forced to do it. Yeah, so it's it's always been a battle between uh, you know uh, companies and their employers uh, employees in terms of uh, you know who's got the leverage right who's got the leverage power so in a, in a bull market when things are really good and, and employment's high uh, you know you can leverage you can ask for more compensation so on and so forth we all know the these stories of industrial relations but AI has has created um, a very different scenario going forward because of its capacity to learn right but as you say it does require that data. The data's out there. It's taking it for free now. Should it continue to take it for free? Um, I, I personally am very excited by what AI can do, just intellectually. But I do think that if we're going to have a society that works and we're not going to have people sleeping, uh, you know, uh, on the streets, that we need to find a solution to this that needs to be comprehensive. We will be speaking after this with Tai Hai Woon, who is uh, the advisor of PCOM, the National Tech Association of Malaysia. But we want to hear from you as well. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
It's 6.15. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about the ethics of using AI for work in the workplace. Um, and uh, we want to hear from you. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Tai Hai Woon, advisor of PCOM, the National Tech Association of Malaysia, Wun, good to have you with us today. So we these concerns that we're talking about, um, this comes from most recently voice actors in, in the US striking a deal to be compensated for the use of their voice in generating AI content. But it is only the latest in a long string of fears being raised by people in various industries around AI and the ethics of using it. What are some of the main issues that are being raised? Yeah, actually, uh, this act, actor and actresses is just most recent, but over the over the last twelve months or more, there are various industries have also expressed the concern. Things like job displacement, bias and fairness in terms of uh, concern about bias algorithms, and they can't control it. And the other thing is very concerning is privacy. You know, the whereas AI system infringe on individual rights. You know. And then also lack of transparency in a lot of AI decision making. And don't forget that AI is algorithm based, you know, in the early, the last two or three years. And those algorithms are outside the control of a lot of people. And finally, cybersecurity. That's always the biggest concern. So these are some of the major issues that it also infringes on the what we call the ethical and the moral side of things. So could you sort of outline for us the industries and fields that you see where the tensions are go- or fears are going to be greatest in terms of the ethics of incorporating AI? I think the major challenges is those in the areas of, uh, like, for example, privacy. And also we talk about the actors and actresses. I'm, if I'm one of the actors you are using my voice, I'm worried that how are you going to use it? So again, that's just a simple uh, what we call agreement on 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 how you're going to use it is going to be a major challenge. But more importantly, I think a lot of this AI are done based on um, you you won't know you won't know what's going to happen, and and a lot of algorithms are also uh, developed without the control of the recipients. For example, I think those are the biggest concern as far as I'm concerned. But by, by the way, um, I think the industry that are most regulated, uh, for example, the banking or this, they'll be more concerned. Because at the end of the day, their reputation risk, their risk management is concerned to the regulator too. So you ask me which industry would be more worried about this, I would say the telcos, the, I'm not saying the rest don't, but these two or three um, perhaps will have a more concern in terms of how AI are used in presenting their products. So when it comes to integrating AI tools in the workplace, what are some of the main ethical considerations? Well, I, I think the first thing first is, of course, the copyright things, right? Okay, then let me just explain a bit the AI. Sometimes we talk about AI in a very high level. But the, today we have what we call the generative generative AI. That means you're actually using AI tools and create uh, content, self-learning, machine learning. And that is the, the, the risk that I see anyway from the industry. Previously, we write algorithms that repeat itself, you know. Now we have algorithms that actually learn from the from whatever the, the 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 content they 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 what to call uh, uh what to call uh source from and that include images voice and also plus of course the uh, the 
contents and other things. So I think this is the biggest worry that we as an industry, uh, in fact, in Malaysia, I think we are talking about it for a long time, but the worry is always there. And unfortunately, the ethics side is not, I would say we are still at the early stage of, uh, right? Okay, in PCOM, uh, one of the things that we can do, or in fact, we are doing, actually, I just came from a council meeting. We're going to make, uh, we're going to create ethics and moral briefing on a constant basis to at least create more awareness. Now, at the end of the day, it depends on the individual people who are going to develop these this, this tools and ensure that they follow some of these so-called ethics and moral. Uh, otherwise, uh, the outcome is going to be very unpredictable. You know, So I think that's what, as, an, as a PCOM association, we can do that. We can do that uh, more often. But having said that, I think as an association, you can do so much. I think we have to work together with... Uh, with the, uh, with the government, for example, to come up with some more standard. And we can, of course, uh, follow the the practice of the of the more uh, what called emerging economies or the, the, the economies that has, a, has got more uh, advanced in AI. We can use some of this. I'm sure they have done a lot of this thing. Another thing which I, I was thinking along the line of learning is, of course, the universities themselves have to play a very major role here in terms of inculcating some of these important elements into the, the, the curriculum. And I'm not talking about technical skill. I AI technical skill is not a major issue at this, as we are talking. I think it's the ethic, the morale, that's what we are sort of uh, more concerned now. I want to ask you, because I think uh, this question, which is really about the technology and how it's developed so quickly, uh, maybe many of us don't understand the difference between automation and a generative yeah. AI. But tell us, uh, there's a lot of talk now that AI is exploitative, it's using data that it's gotten free, but could AI have developed in the way it has if they, from the very beginning, had to pay for all the data they've been using for these machines to learn? Okay, let me just take one step back because just now I was saying that what's the difference between AI done, let's say, five years ago and what we are talking about today? Five years ago, we write an algorithms that go round and round and do what we call automation. You know, it doesn't uh, sort of read too much of data at, the, at that point in time. But today we're talking about a bit more uh, uh, what they call machine learning. Um, uh, learning as you go, you know, it's not it's not automation alone. It's actually if you put a, a AI tools there for six months, the six months of data that they get is going to be what they're going to use it to respond to the next question, and that's where the concern is in terms of privacy, in terms of um, copyrights, and in terms of basically misuse of the data. I think one of the biggest concern is misuse. You know, I, I mentioned just now that the the two industries two or three industries that's quite prone to, or rather very fearful of this. I think the government got to be careful too. Because as a government, if you start using AI, you're not in control, and then you give a different message down the road, down the line, and then people might perceive differently, you're not in control, for example. And then you use massive amount of data. So I, I'm concerned that if the government don't control this uh, use of AI, that we will see a not a favorable outcome, uh, including all the industries. Lah. So, so that's my that's my take on this. The current we call it generative AI. So, at the moment, there is a fair amount of backlash around the use of these generative AI tools. I mean, uh, we've seen artists publicly calling out companies for using AI art, for example, um, and. Largely, this is being viewed as a struggle between capitalistic structures um, going up against the rights of talent or the rights of workers. How can these two concerns be balanced? 
I think it's a good question. If I know that answer, I probably can earn a lot of money <laughs> writing up these uh, policies. I think um, as, as an association, we want to see that balance, but sometimes we are too focused on productivity. We are too focused on making money, for example. We forget about the other side of the coin. So I think learning and uh, what they call uh, self-awareness is going to be important. I think a lot of developers just go in and develop it without thinking of the outcome. I think as an uh, as an organization who are doing all this, let's be a bit more mindful. Uh, let's. I, I think at the end of the day, it has to be a collective effort. It cannot be just just uh, and one organizations and all that. I think already I heard in America they are they want to start some kind of an AI association to manage AI, for example. So I think it's a bit of irony. You need an AI to manage an AI. So I think the seriousness is always there. Uh, I suppose, as I say, the three parties, the uh, government, um, associations like us, industries, and including the public universities and the private universities must play a role in be a bit more, uh, uh, what I call, let's put down some statement, for example, to start with. I think that's what PICOM will do. We'll put up some very, very, um, you would say very standard, but they, they, they are something that we will try to portray to the to the industry uh, uh, in the next few months for sure. We have been talking about it, but we have not actually officially going to say, well, this is what you should do. But whether people are going to believe it or not, or whether they're going to follow on, that's another story, like, unless you regulate it, which we don't want. Okay. Another thing is that we've got to be careful is we don't want to um we 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 don't want to what do you call be, be regulated it too much. I mean, that's the other side of the coin. You know, suddenly you bring the, the government in, they start putting regulation, and that's something we don't want. You kill the innovation. But by by token, the ethics side is going to be an issue um, uh, if this is not taken into account of yeah, so, you know, yeah, so I think you, you, what you do is, in many ways, uh, outline the fact that in all technological leaps that we've had throughout history, they're kind of winners and losers. Um, how would you like people to think about that, the question of winners and losers? Or is it, as the propaganda would have us believe, that yeah. we're all eventually, all boats will rise with the rising tide that uh, AI will bring? I, I, I know where you're coming from. I think... I think it's not a binary game. I don't think it's a one and zero. Yeah? And also the other thing we've got to bear in mind that you look at all the other technology technology that we have, it has gone through years and months of progression before it reached a certain stage. But the AI, fortunately or unfortunately, has has driven, have moved so fast that I think um, in this area of ethics, it's, a bit, it's very behind. I would say that. I mean, within like 12 months, you see ChatGPT has gone to like, you know, uh, I mean, this is just one of the examples I'm bringing up, you know. So I, I'm really not sure what is that balance we look at, except that all of us have to play a role, including the developers themselves, the tech industry themselves. Uh, because at the end of the day, you don't want the government to come in and say, look, if you're going to build an AI, you must do one, two, three, four, otherwise you get fined. I mean, you don't want to do that. So I think collectively, we have to come together. Obviously, the association will take some lead in this area and say, okay, let, let, let's, let's, let's see what... Uh, we can put in place at least the minimum requirement. And we can also look at um, the other countries. I'm sure uh, in US and the other countries have some sort of um, uh, ethics, uh, so-called. I think we know about it. The question is, how are we going to portray that as one of the essential in the in the market? I think that's the challenge we're facing. I'm not saying that we don't know. I think we know what we need to do, the privacy, the fairness, you know, and also the copyrights. And we know that, but how are we going to put that in a 
clear statement that people understand and people learn to accept it when they're developing this AI. I mean, that's from a tech technology person point of view, trying to say, okay, don't 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 regulate us, but give us a bit of space. But at the end of the day, give us some guidance. We have about a minute before we need to go on break. Um, what is ideal for you then when you say not too much regulation? Okay, I, I for sure, the, at the start, the government must come in. We, we They cannot come in after the fact to say that, okay, I've seen them, now I'm going to put... They must come in, they must be in the same conversation with the industry, okay? And even like for us, we want to promote this innovation and ethical consideration. We want to do that, but we can't do it alone. As a company, you definitely can't do it alone. So the government have to come in. Uh, I'm very glad that they have a digital ministry now, which is uh, what we've been uh, hoping for for many years, you know, to split the telcos and the and the digital uh, to two to different ministries. So we are more focused on things like cybersecurity and definitely AI. So I'm hoping that um, PCOM, okay, and the other association related one can work together with this ministry and perhaps um, come up with some, I, I wouldn't say guideline, lah. I would say even policy statements that you should follow and what is the do and don'ts. I, I, I'm not sure where the balance is. Should the government do more or should we do more? I'm not sure. But certainly they must come together. Uh, that's my, 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 my take on this. We will continue the conversation with Tai Hai Woon after this, but do keep your thoughts coming as well. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we'll be back after this, so keep it here. BFM eighty nine point nine. Bias free media. BFM eighty nine point nine. The business station. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we are continuing our discussion on ethics and the use of AI uh, in industries, in the workplace. And we want to hear from you. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. And we are continuing our conversation with Tai Hai Woon, who is the advisor of PCOM, the National Tech Association of Malaysia. Woon, um, just to pick up where we left, off. So we were talking earlier about um, ethics and how they might apply uh, when using AI in the workplace. Has there been enough conversation within the tech industry to develop an effective ethical framework when it comes to AI? I mean, how much engagement is being done with other industries to develop this? Let me be very honest with you. I think while we talk about a lot of these uh, issues, I don't think there's a concerted effort to put them together in a more formal sense. I think that's something uh, we need to look because you have moved so fast. This technology AI has moved so fast. Within six months, they have moved to another another rung already. So uh, I, I suppose it's not still talk, not too late. Can I come back to the, the actor and actress one? Because as we were having a break, I was thinking, how do we solve that specific problem? Okay. I think a clear contract between the actor and actresses and the developer is very important in this sense. You cannot take for granted in terms of copyright, in terms of what they can do, what they can't do, in terms of monetary compensation, for example. So if you get, I'm not saying that will solve all the issue, but that would at least eliminate some of the, of the things that they shouldn't be doing. They shouldn't taking advantage of this. So like any other AI usage, I think if we have a clear contract, clear agreement on who owns the software, how far can you use, how much can you use, 
what you can what a what are the areas or what are the scenario you can use if you can at least tabulate it clearly in a in a legal document then at least i think it will uh what call mitigate the risk of future risk but it doesn't completely remove it because at the end of the day you don't know who who you are infringing the copyright until about five years later so that copyright cannot be 100% solved by having a legal agreement but i'm saying that we can do can maybe half the risk or quarter the risk or whatever. So that's my suggestion, not just to the actor and actress, but to anybody, especially for the for organizations uh, in the banks and in insurance. You know, even want to put some AI out there, be very uh, sure that your contract with the opposite parties are very clear. I mean, that's all I can sort of suggest at this point. I'm yeah. not a lawyer, by the way. <laughs> Wouldn't, but you are somebody in technology. So I'm going to ask you the kind of a follow-up question because I think the, the thing that maybe a lot of us don't understand is how exactly machine learning happens and, you know, whether, uh, you know, if you lend your face, you know, uh, it becomes part of the data that, the machine is now learning from, it's, it's very different from saying, I'm going to be a face in an ad, right? And it's my face. But now if you're just part of a large pool of data that they're drawing, the machine is drawing from, how do you claim ownership over your image or your voice or anything that you're producing in the world? Well, I think that's a, that's a good question. You know, um, Obviously, of course, if your face is used, um, uh, what are called recklessly, you can always go after the person, you know. Data comprised of different images is one. Uh, context is one of them. And of course, voice. For example, our voice. Somebody may take our interview and change the whole interview into, into a different context. That's highly possible today. So, yes, you're right. You have pointed out an, an issue here because of the a vast amount of data. What can we do? I mean, what can we really do, you know? I mean, short of not lending your face, but even you don't lend your face, somebody may just go and take your face because you're famous. Yeah. So what can you do? Really legal is probably one thing. You you live in a world of data now. You can't say, I don't be part of this data. You have no choice. If you Google your name there, you look at it's all over the place. Are you going to say that I won't remove all that? And that has been for the last 10 years. So I think it's really an impossible question to say that we don't, um, how are we going to solve it? You're not going to solve it. But the only thing is, can we mitigate the risk of people misusing your data, for example. I mean, the latest hot conversations on our government Padu, and I don't talk about that, but certainly people are concerned that data uh, will be stolen, but that is just text data, context data, information data, but we're talking about images here, voice here, you know? So I, 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 I don't know how to answer your question on that. Um, as a tech person, I've been tech for many years, I wrote program, but it always take many years before we reach a certain stage. But this AI thing has emerged so fast that I, I myself, I'm not sure what are the new things that's coming out in the next uh, few months, you know. So the only thing I can think of, say again, as a, as a final word is, I think collectively in Malaysia, um, as a government, as an industry player, and also as an association, and even the, uh, the universities, the studies, we must come together and come up with something at least start off with something you know um, don't 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 have to come up with a more comprehensive but the the basic we already know we already, i already mentioned the five six areas why can't we we develop on that five and then as the as the technology evolves we add on it we enhance on it i'm saying that if we do that first i think we 
we won't win the game, but we have restarted something. So that's what I I will I mean the PCOM will will, will, will endeavor to do. Lah. Now we're gonna solve not we're not gonna solve all the problem, can for sure with that, you know. And there's also other associations. You got a fintech, you got the insured tech, you got the tech, you know. So really collectively, we need to come up with something. Nobody's gonna agree with everything. Okay, but at least we come up with a core. The core. How do we how do we develop the core? Now that's the challenge that um our ecosystem will face in the next, I don't know, three to twelve months or this. We must come up with something. So let's let's sort of narrow the conversation a little bit into what we are seeing in industries or even workplaces, right? Because it does feel like there's a, a very experimental approach being taken towards AI and because it's so new as well, um, generally the mindset seems to be, let's try and see what it can do rather than focusing on the guidelines or the ethics first. And the argument is that let's learn as we go. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Is it important to have guidelines in place first? So now the question is, do we, uh, will the chicken come first or the egg come first? Okay, but experimental is is a quite a natural path of technology. I think over the years, a lot of things are experiments. Some fail, some you know, went very well, except that in this in- instant here, we went too fast, very fast. Nothing to complain, but it went very fast. So we are sort of saying that, hey, you know, we we, we need to, to sort of pull back a bit. But should we pull back? I mean, the question is, why do we have to pull back? These innovations, you know. But then the question again is, um, we must have clear ethical uh, guidelines. I think that's no doubt. I, you and I agree on that. Now, the question is, how do we promote this? How do we put some basic uh, guidelines to start off with, to kickstart the whole process? Um, I, I think clearly that's, that's an important part. You know, We don't have to complete the whole race for now. We just complete the race where we have started and reach where we are. And we really know what are the ethical guidelines. We really know it. You know, But the question is, it's not collectively accepted or not collectively promoted or trained. So I'm hoping that uh, establishing this kind of framework to start with, you know, uh, hopefully prevent what we call unintended consequences, you know, like bias, privacy. Look at the issue that I've said just now, bias, privacy issues, and responsive. Who's going to be responsible for AI? Like the electric car, for example. You have an accident. Who is responsible? Is that the driver, the car, or the develop uh, the the builder of the car? Again, these are issues that haven't been resolved, and I, we are talking about our technology here, you know. And like it or not, you're right. I think a lot of organizations are doing it on their own. I can tell you for sure. Okay, either they do their own or they outsource it to somebody and do it. But they're more towards like uh, customer facing, know your customers, that, that kind of that kind of uh, what to call uh, requirements, you know. Uh, I'm not sure about the others where they, they start doing like um, spying and all that. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe, you know. So, so as I say, I don't have a d- direct um, answers to what you just say, but I agree with you. It is still an experimental journey for all technology. There's no doubt about that. I wanted to ask about the... Um the emotional or the psychological component of all of this, right? Because a large part of this is that people don't understand AI necessarily. Um, They can see the outcome, but they don't necessarily know how it works. And there's a lot of fear or anxiety around the idea that they're going to be replaced or their jobs are going to be lost. How can the industry move forward and progress. And, and you know, there are lots of benefits to be had with the integration of AI tools, but also account yeah. for the fact that people are genuinely concerned. Yeah, I think I, I remember last year we wrote an article based on 
is AI going to displace job or rather replace job? Um, I think the question is, yes, they will uh, displace some, but don't forget the AI skill set is something that's so valuable that it can also promote a lot of jobs uh, in the market. And obviously, like some of the like copywriters, for example, or writers, for example, may, may be a bit obsolete because we have ChatGPT, they can write perfect English. So I think the market or the industry have to accept the fact that there will be jobs displaced. There will be. I mean, just like the other technology, except that in the old technology, it takes like what, 10 years, 15 years, or even 20, 30 years to get rid of our, our telephone operator, for example. So today, I think it's faster. Within three months, six months, you may find that you don't have a job anymore. So I think this is something we all have to accept. Uh, we have no choice, you know. Uh, but having said that, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to, 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 to upscale their skill set. Uh, not necessarily to be a very technical person, but at least know how to use uh, AI. Don't forget, developing AI and using AI are two separate different skill sets. So I'm suggesting that people who may think they may be losing their jobs uh, in the long run may want to start picking up how are some of these AI are used. They may want to take up some courses um, or so even some training, for example, uh, upskilling, I call it. So hopefully that will mitigate the risk of job losses uh, it won't prevent, it will mitigate uh, the impact of job losses. Woon, thanks for speaking with us today. I hope I cover everything. I'm not an expert in AI, but except the ethical part is something of my concern too, very concerned. And uh, and as far as from PCOM perspective, we will we will definitely do something uh, in terms of maybe a bit too late, you may say, but I think it's never late than never. So thank you very much for having me on BFM. And um, and I look forward to the next interview. Hopefully, it's not AI. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we were thinking you could come on and talk to us about the guidelines that you mentioned earlier, but that's for another day. I tell you what, why don't, why don't we have a date? What I'll, I'll get the association to get it ready. All right, we're going to do a, a obviously a, a what to call a session. You know, going to invite the industry. So maybe we once I got that. I may follow up with this this interview on that. Would perfect. that be a date? That would be that would be perfect. <laughs> Thank you. It is a date. Now that was Tai Hai Woon, advisor of PCOM, the National Tech Association of Malaysia, weighing it uh, weighing in on the ethics of using AI, uh, particularly when it comes to work. And we want to hear from you. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. BFM 89.9, the business station. It's 6.52. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been talking about AI and the uh, various ethical issues involved in using AI, uh, particularly when it comes to work. And we want to hear from you. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. We Let's start with a voice note. Um, we have this from Arshad. Personally, I feel like some of the pushback that AI gets is from NIMBYism. So you can see some people, they'll complain, oh, AI is going to take away my job. They're going to they're gonna ruin everything. And then turn the other cheek and say, hey, why are you drafting that email? You should just let ChatGPT do it. And so uh, AI is a net benefit. I think it has tremendous potential to benefit society. We have so many things that we would much rather automate. And um, when you think about the uh, benefits that it could get. I mean, sure, we do need um, safeguards when it comes to uh, 
maybe impersonation of others this this um voice actor thing is is a is a good example of that and i think we can figure that out as we go along but i i am very um wary of when people say oh i'm going to lose my job and so we have to stop ai development i mean why are we sacrificing something that could be so beneficial to humanity for a capitalist structure i mean why not universal basic pay why is why is the solution stopping ai development i don't understand yeah Arshad, thank you for that. Um, I was actually smiling listening to the last bit of your voice note because for me, that's the ideal outcome of a society that relies on AI for most of its... um, I suppose to keep it chugging along, right? Because if we could get to a point where AI can save us from things like exploitative labor practices, um, having to put people through unsafe jobs and if it means that we could still continue um, you know, making money, essentially, so that everybody can have a universal basic income, that's the ideal. I think a lot of the cynicism people have, though, is, um, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, a lack of faith in the capitalistic structures that we live under. Yeah, and so this is where the divide is, Arshad. I think, you know, while AI is now wedded to corporations and they're the ones both developing it and utilizing it, uh, your concern or your proposed solution of universal basic income uh, is something that actually comes from a very different sphere. That and That's the political sphere. So the that governments and political parties and, you know, popular democracy might be the ones pushing for something like universal basic income to solve the problem of job displacement that might result from the way corporations use AI. And so... uh so, well, where's the dynamism here, right? The dynamism seems to be on the corporate side, pushing for the use of AI that might or might not result in forms of job displacement. Do we see the same dynamism and a preemptive thinking or imaginative creative thinking happening in government, in the political sphere to resolve questions of who do we deal, how do we deal with uh, job displacement and who's going to pay for universal basic income? Yeah, um, I mean, this is the thing with, um, like, personally, I don't think the answer is to say we should stop AI development. And to be fair, Arshad, I don't know that the bulk of the voices out there are calling for that so much as controls being put in place or making sure that we know what it is that we're moving towards. Because they... Um, It may not be a perfect analogy, but if you look at something like social media or um, and how in the early days it was viewed as the supposed savior of so many of our problems, right? Being, you know, flattening the the positions of power, giving everyone a voice. And 10, 15 years down the line, we see that because we didn't work out the hows and whys of the system well enough, that now we're stuck with a very imperfect system. And I think that's what a lot of people are worried about when it comes to tech, because the developments of the tech industry so far have often had a way of getting away with us before we've even had time to think about how to resolve them. Yeah, it's it, it's such a fascinating discussion. And I think, you know, uh, often I find that we've all jumped Uh, too far ahead in talking about the politics and the ethics uh, without first understanding the technology itself. It's not simply uh, another tool for automation. It is so much more. And that so much more is where the uh, the complexities of the solutions come from. 
Aziz says, robot tax will pay for universal basic income. I think that's one way to go about it. You mean we tax robot or, or tax becomes robotic? Well, like, uh, <laughs> tax paying becomes I, robotic. I don't think uh, anybody will be a fan of robot tax, the tax system becoming robotic. I think it means tax the use of AI, perhaps, which, which I think is one way to go about it. Anyway, we'll continue the conversation after this. Keep your thoughts coming. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been talking about the ethics of AI because the Screen Actors Guild in America has made a deal with an AI voice generation studio that when voice actors' voices are used to generate new content, one, they have to opt in and give permission for it, and two, they need to be paid for that. Um, This is quite a landmark deal, and it got us thinking about Uh, The ethics around AI, especially when it comes to generating content and when it's used in the workplace, what does it all mean, essentially? So we want to hear from you. What is an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Let's start with a voice note from Saiful. When you're looking at AI right now and the progression that they make, it keep me on thinking about when is going to be terminator is going to be the reality <laughs> you know what in the early 90s and uh, end of 1990s early year 2000 we have terminator the terminator films coming up and all of us are very afraid of skynet and to be frank with you skynet is coming through either you like it or not because ai is already coming in into the military and ai is already coming to coming to into your life in my humble opinion AI will affect everything except for manual job. And other than that, if the manual job itself erotic AI is already combined with robotic, then we are human, we are left with just a few things to do. So soft skills is needed right now for people, for the youngsters to really uh, can go against the AI because those are like Small, small job, entry level like club, uh, administration, HR, accounting, even lawyer, AI is taking over. So just beware. Soft skill is important, especially with public speaking, because public speaking is one of the tools that we can use to against maybe not yet like, for AI to take over from that. Thank you. Saiful, thank you for that. Uh, Robert also um, messaged in to say, guys, think about this term or phrase, singularity. Um, So I feel like popular culture and and movies and books have done a great or bad job uh, of representing artificial intelligence, right? Because there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of fear around exactly this Skynet and so on. And I I do agree with um, at least what Saiful is saying about the um, potential use of AI in things like military technology. It is already in development. And so um, there are concerns about those sorts of things. But I do think, though, to your point about soft skills and how we need to start thinking differently in terms of what a job might mean, I don't know whether that's all necessarily entirely a bad thing, because if we can actually free people up from doing the mundane, um, even manual jobs, perhaps we would we would be able to do so much more and so much better. 
Yeah. The only problem is this, right? So people don't have those. Say, let's say all the robots take over the manual jobs. So the people who are at that level, do they all graduate to upper management? No, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, yeah. and that's why I think that there is that... Um, a huge amount of anxiety around job displacement, right? Because at what happens to these people? Are they just the collateral damage, the way coal miners felt and when things became automated? Are we just, you know, now a whole generation of people who find ourselves jobless? And then that's really not the outcome we should be okay with, I think. Yeah, but so I, I think, you know, uh, there is, I mean, you can be kind of, um, I'm not so much a Luddite, right? I'm not somebody kind of uh, opposed to technology, but you can be concerned that if we're not careful, we're going to cause ourselves as a society collectively much more pain than we need to. So it's a kind of a middle ground approach, I think, to this. So it's not let's oppose uh, AI and all these advancements and it's neither is it a kind of uh, free market, let it run rampant and change the world. And anyway, the rich and the powerful are always going to be, um, you know, come up top in this and so um, so what is the mill ground I, it's, it's hard to say but what I what I understand at least from you know the the message is that um, there is something perhaps and this is what we're struggling with that is uniquely human that's not going to be easily replaceable. Well, Jason says, AI is a tool to improve productivity. Use AI to handle mediocre, repetitive tasks so we can focus on tasks that are more important. AI is no different from how personal computers proliferated. New industries and jobs were created. Well, well, actually, I think it's quite the opposite. I mean, the idea is this is not just a blunt tool for doing repetitive work. This, in fact, is a learning machine. It is. It takes in data, massive amounts of data, to constantly respond to its environment, to the tasks that it set. What we're also learning is AI is setting its own tasks. It, it, you know, it is, uh, you know, Arthur C. Clarke's HAL in, in a space odyssey, right? I mean, it's, that is the, the nightmare version, I guess. <laughs> but what he anticipated is something more than just, uh, you know, a machine that, sort of triples your capacity to lift something or pull something or push something. So I, I think, again, you know, the the need to level up our understanding of exactly what the technology is, you know, making the distinction between automation and what generative AI is so that we understand its full implications. Mm. Well, Madiha actually is giving a very industry-specific example, saying AI in healthcare, so much potential. There's no way to get things absolutely perfect. Even medicine is an imperfect science. But AI co-pilots have great use cases, for example, in automating work processes like filling up forms, ultimately augmenting and optimizing workflows so that humans can focus on the parts that are irreplaceable by tech. Maria, I'd love to ask you this question about the use of AI in diagnostics. Because what I understand is, yeah, the filling up forms thing is, that's computer, that's the kind of like, in, kind of the easy stuff, right? It is the ability to predict or to give more accurate a diagnostic um, analysis than, say, a human or a doctor would, or a team of doctors, because what doctors have is all these case studies. What uh, AI has is multiplies that, sees patterns, and does it so much better that its uh, guess is 
greater than the humans. Well, actually, Madi has back to say, AI can, however, influence social impact because of the way machine learning categories get generated and the intrinsic biases that may be embedded, which may do more harm than good. We may not be ready yet to fully integrate AI, but we should not shy away and start learning sooner rather than later. So, Madiha, actually, I um, for me, more than what Sharad said about the diagnostics aspect, which I am curious about, um, I was curious about... Um, the inbuilt biases that you were talking about, because that's something people have brought up even in experiments that have involved uh, having AI identify faces and how it categorizes people based on, say, race, for instance. Um, But I do agree with you that the notion of... um, no, we'll just not learn because this is ultimately never going to lead somewhere positive isn't really the approach to take. And I think that there's huge potential. Um, It's just that we need to be aware of what it is that we are, or rather we have to put thought into where we want this to take us. Yeah, what is what we we of course have to realize is that AI uh, was produced by human beings. Uh, You know, it's it's part of... uh, our evolution, I think, uh, we have learned to use our tools better and better from the time that, and this is, again, we're going to go back to 2001 Space Odyssey. You know, it's not just that. The I love that I said Stanley Kubrick and you said Arthur C. Clarke. Ah, because you, you're quoting the movie, <laughs> yes. I'm quoting the book. Uh, or at least, yes, yes. It's, a, it's a short story, was it? How it book, book. Book, book. So, you know, the, the important thing is, you know, whether it's the monolith or the monkeys uh, and their primitive tools at the start of that famous scene, the idea is that um, it's part of our evolution. I mean, in many ways, what we don't recognize, we don't recognize ourselves in AI. It, we AI is the, um, the product of us trying to replicate something that we do as a species, which is thinking. And actually, even the structures that we are currently operating it under, structures we've put in place, and the problems that we are seeing are problems that already exist within our societal structures. Um, We will continue the conversation after this. We are asking you, what's an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 7.18. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. We're closing off our conversation on AI um, and ethical use within the workplace. And we want to hear from you. What's an ethical way to use AI in your industry? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. We have this from Joanne who says... AI has existed for a long time. It's only now that it got democratized. So it's catching our attention now. Traditionally, it was machine learning. It it now has deep learning, meaning it mimics how humans take information, organize, sequence, memorize, reconstruct, and represent. AI will be like Google that we can't do without. Any policy or constraints only deter, deter it for a while. It looks like a global major job loss is inevitable. Elon Musk was quoted as saying that governments will have to give basic allowances to citizens in an interview. Um, jo- Joanne, I I feel like there's a lot there that I I completely get what you mean. Um, I'm hoping that the outcome doesn't turn out to be that bleak, though. Global major job loss is is really quite a difficult thing to think about. Yeah, well, you know, so far I think the the people who farm 
And, uh, you know, so the, the vegetable and cereal and um, uh, protein providers will still have a job, I think. But uh, it's interesting, right? Because uh, Elon Musk will say something like governments will. But is he is he going to pay government to do that? I mean, <laughs> you know, is he going to take from his billions uh, and pay his taxes? Uh, or is he going to them gonna take pay their care taxes? of the displaced workers in his company that are displaced by AI? No, he wants government to do that <laughs> for him. So... This is it, right? So at the end of the day, this isn't really a fight between human beings and species and AI. It's really human beings versus and citizens versus big corporations that uh, have n- no natural sense of responsibility to the species apart from their profit, uh, their bottom line. I wanted to um, actually first I'll read this from Azami and then I'll make a link to what you just said about farming and so on. Right. So Azami says, want to know how to have ethics on AI? Ask ChatGPT. Ha ha. Um, I understand, Azami, that you're being kind of droll. I get it. But, you know, I think part of the part of the sort of possibilities of AI is problem solving, isn't it? And I do think that while we can't sort of just assume it's going to have all the answers to our our, our problems. Um, I can imagine a future where, for instance, AI tools, and I, and I think they're already in their sort of... Um, in their early stages now, where even for industries like agriculture and so on, that AI can be used to uh, plan, can be used to optimize solutions. And I think that those are all very positive things to add to our industries. Yeah, I mean, I think the conversations we've had over the years about, you know, Industry 4.0, the, the Internet of Things, the the ability to constantly monitor uh, and to draw from data uh, better solutions. I think that's it, right? But so so AI is a promise of something even greater than I think that, which was a conversation from what five years ago. I think I don't know how many Malaysian politicians were saying are using these buzzwords, right? The, uh, the Internet of Things and Industry 4.0. So um, yeah, but again, you know, I think we're all going to have to do the, the the heavy lifting of learning what AI actually is. Aslan says. Our voice as well. What next? Our smile? When it comes to governance in terms of developing developing policy is control. The first order of business is to identify. So get all AI users and developers to be registered. The last thing we need is a rogue AI or unethical AI users. Asdan, I... I sort of semi-agree with you in that I think developers do need to be held accountable. I don't know about AI users having to be registered, though. That feels a lot like surveillance, which I'm not comfortable with. And it's not clear. Government surveillance. Yeah, I mean, it's also not clear who an AI user is. I understand now that Google, and we, we do the Google search, Google uses AI in the back end to do... Also, to, to, are you and I AI users? Then, I, right? I think we all are. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of us just don't know that we are because many of the systems have uh, that we use on a daily basis have already incorporated some forms of AI in order to drive their backend. So maybe you don't need to uh, to register everybody. You know, you don't have to register specific users. You, everybody is a user. Yes, but then this not. is the slippery slope towards everybody now gets surveilled on what they do on the internet. Yeah, well, you don't want that either. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, uh, I don't know. If this is a way of controlling it, but I think it comes from this fear. Asan, you know, maybe I've misunderstood you, but the fear of AI, you know, and the idea that somehow we can control it, uh, is might drive us to to solutions that are kind of suboptimal. 
just to close off, Arshad's back. Earlier, Arshad sent in a voice note um, and he says, uh, thanks for dissecting my message. Gave me a lot to think about. For context, I'm a software developer. So perhaps with more than just a passing bias towards AI. You guys are right, though, that it's hard to think about who would pay for this income when the big tech companies seem keen to loot as much data as they can for free and then go ahead and charge people to use their services. But knowing how these models work, I also struggle in thinking of a more realistic compensation structure and how it can be built. It's akin to asking an artist to provide royalties for all of their inspirations. How can we say for sure what is truly original? Arshad, I've actually um, struggled with exactly this line of thinking um, for quite a while now because particularly because I have a lot of interest in this notion of AI training itself on the art and the writing of other people um, without them being compensated for it. Um, And how the uh, justification for that is always, well, how different is it anyway from a human artist finding inspiration in that person's work or this person's work and then sort of embodying that work? So how different is the AI process of inspiration from the human, really? And how how do you compensate people for that? Um, I think it's a tough one. Um, And I do think, though, that if people are losing jobs, then perhaps we need to be having conversations about it. Yeah, um, you know, it's like this, right? Your your entire growing up and your schooling was about learning from others. Yes. Yeah, and and, and but we credit you, Shamila, for what you produce today. Uh, do we go back and say that every part, you know, of your upbringing and your intellectual uh, kind of worldview needs to be passed out in terms of... S- the copyright of all these other yes, things, right? Exactly. They need the, to be compensated. The learning copyright of each of these elements. Yeah. So you know, and uh, the the problem seems to be, and the genius of AI is that it's doing it at a scale and speed that no human being, not even a collective of human beings, can replicate. Uh, so. Yeah, that's the promise. The promise of massive data being crunched. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm in, like you, Arshad, I'm in, I kind of biased towards AI. I, I'm excited about the possibilities, but uh, I, I wish we do come to some sort of human compassionate solution about its consequences. That's all we have for you today. Uh, keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.